healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next one. Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky West of the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and we are here to have a good time feeling bad. Uh, I don't know if you heard the news, kids. Tom Petty passed away. It happened last Monday. And, uh, you know, since then we've been trying to sort of collect our thoughts and trying to figure out how to do this, how to best talk about this, this artist who uh, is important, I think, to everybody, but uh, certainly fits into my narrative as a human being and uh eventually uh much like everything else in the universe stuff just happened and in this case uh the panel that we ended up with uh just happened and it was uh fantastic as you're about to hear my good friend mark stallion is down here good friend timothy and burnside of the national museum of african-american history and culture uh she's down here and uh and timothy's mom Janet Bewley, uh, otherwise known as Senator Janet Bewley from the great state of Wisconsin. She's in the Wisconsin State Senate. Uh, probably one of the people trying to keep that state as awesome as it is. Uh, you know we're Wisconsin people, right? Yeah, you knew that. If you've been over here, you definitely know it. But at any rate, um, we all had a connection to Petty, and so multi-generational, uh, multi-racial, multi-everything, cultural panel discuss uh, this guy who was uh, one of the biggest and certainly one of the best artists of all ta- time who has now left us and possibly his greatest achievement was Wildflowers 1994 album produced by Rick Rubin uh, that uh, it's in my mind it summed up everything Petty had always been singing about more perfectly than anything he did before or since and, uh, and that's what we're doing because if you don't know about wildflowers, then you need to. And we're going to try to give you some information. If you do know about wildflowers and you just sort of want to hang out and hear the uh, awesome chat, that that's what we're here for, too. So without further ado and without getting, getting too down, because I think this is ending up uh, being an uplifting conversation. And just what I needed personally to process all this. Let's head on down to the basement. Conversation already in progress. Where uh, myself, Marcus Timothy, and Janet are going to be talking about Tom Petty's fantastic classic album, Wildflower. Um, Mr. Dowling, welcome back. Hey, thank you. 
Timothy, it's been a while. Hello, hello. Brought, brought a friend with you. Yes, I did. Mom. I brought a friend. A friend. <laughs> a friend. I brought a friend. I like that. This is, it, it, it is a pleasure to meet you, uh, Janet, but this is this is an unfortunate... You know, we were going to talk about this album uh, and because it is one of my favorite albums. I think it might be one of the best albums of all time, uh, especially from Tom Petty. Uh, we weren't necessarily going to do it this month, but one of the tragedies that happened last Monday... Was Tom Petty died, mm-hmm. and uh, we got duped by the <laughs> the news cycle. I I even did. People were like, mm-hmm. "He's dead. He's live," and, mm-hmm. I, and I was mm-hmm. like cussing at people, saying, nah, "Until I get confirmation, I need the press release. I right. need everything perfect." And uh, but it's true. Uh, Tom Petty is dead. Tom Petty is still dead, and uh, that really sucks. Mm-hmm. If um, a little background, why we're going to talk about wildflowers. You know, this is a guy who grew up in Gainesville, Florida. He's a redneck, basically like everybody from Florida. And he The original uh, Florida man. The original yeah, right? the original Florida man. <laughs> and and started a band with some friends, uh Mike Campbell being being one of them, the mighty Mike Campbell. And uh eventually they made their way out to LA and then it sort of changed everything. It changed rock and roll. I don't think at that time you had like Almond Brothers, you had uh Marshall Tucker band. Like Southern Rock was really different. Uh, and then you had this guy with who was just basically a hit machine. So going from, and this is why everybody you you walk down the street and say Tom Petty's dead. Everybody, I don't care your race, your gender, your age. Like, and we've got a good group representing here mm-hmm. uh, because these songs break down. American Girl, I need to know. Listen to her heart. Don't do me like that. Refugee, here comes my girl. The waiting. You got lucky. Don't, I mean, you can go on and on and on, running down a dream, free-falling, which may be the most ubiquitous song, I think, ever. It's yeah. in, what, at least four movies a year? Mm-hmm. It's on TV shows, it's <laughs> referenced, it is, it is out there mm-hmm. everywhere. But in 1994, uh, he had made a bunch of albums with the, the, uh, the Heartbreakers, and the last one had been, uh, let me see, where was that? I think the last one was the She's the One. No, it was Into the Great Wide Open. Yeah. That was coming off of Let Me Up, I Had Enough, which didn't do quite what they were wanting to do with it. You know, Southern Accents was the big one in the 80s mm-hmm. um, with the Alice in Wonderland video. Uh, he teams up with Rick Rubin and, honestly, the rest of the Heartbreakers. The only guy on here isn't the drummer for the Heartbreakers, who would be replaced later on, uh, and produced uh, this stunning piece of work. Uh, I want to play the title track on this real quick, and then we're going to talk about what makes this so great and get into like really what made make Tom Petty so great beyond the on paper, which is sterling. You belong among the wildflowers. You belong in a boat out at sea. Sail away, kill off the hours.
One of the more perfect tracks of my youth. I am not alone in that. And I say youth. That's like, I don't know how young I was then. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, it kicked off uh, an album that is, to my mind, about uh, the journey of life. I think you can flip that and wake up time at the end of that. Like, mm-hmm. this song can be about birth or death, and so can wake up time. I'm going to have to keep doing that. I'm just going to keep doing that. It's, it's great. It's, it is the ghost of Tom Petty. Right. Yeah. Um, and. What the biggest question to me about this album is because I think this is probably the best, maybe the only complete good Tom Petty album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album, is what made it work so well. What about these songs? What about this point that he got in his life? Because running down that list of hits, like every single one of those, we can all point to events in our life mm-hmm. where you know we've been shouting like breakdown. Refugee, or seeing your favorite band cover Refugee. So, Dallin, you just yeah. went on a binge. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went on like a major binge. Um, one thing I'd say about this album is I like, use the word plaintive. Mm. It's it's less. It's not as loud as other Tom Petty albums are. Mm. Like, there's something about working with Rick Rubin where he's like an actual fan of music in real life. Mm-hmm. So he is able to like find the connective piece in the core of who you are as an artist mm. and he concentrates on that instead of making the song great. Instead it's of like making a hit. Yeah. Instead of making yeah. a the hit. The process like, makes hits. <laughs> right. right. It's like, it's like, it's like Tom Petty, man, you can really sing. So I want to strip away all like the, the noise and reverb and everything that we, that ever has been put on your music. And I just need your voice and you're a great player too, but we never really have like focused on you being a great player. So let's like focus on you being a great player and let's like, tune down everybody else in the band and like, let's put you at the forefront mm-hmm. and make this thing like a showcase of like your singing and your songwriting and not so much about like the atmospherics and the cool of like, we're going to make a, you know, awesome bunch of like, you know, hit tunes here. So, well, there, and there's a certain amount of storytelling on this record that, right. That isn't, I mean, he's a storyteller always, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this record is this, if, if, if Tom think, Petty's going to be a storyteller, it's going to happen. Do you on think this it was record. a story of him, or yeah, do you think he's like, more personal? Be, because, it's much more personal, but yeah. it also has this. You're on a narrative journey. You're on yeah. like every song. You're like, oh yeah, like I'm in this moment. I'm with these people. Right. And I feel these feelings. Right. Well, and I think too, when you compare it to what he does later on, this is sort of like the wash that an artist puts on that canvas before anything else is painted on yeah, it. Yeah. Right. This is the wash of his hometown mm-hmm. and all of the values and all of the good things that go on. Right. He sings sweetly about the girls that are there. Yeah. You, you belong in the wildflowers. He talks fondly about his hometown and all the good things, and you, even if there's a little few tensions. But basically, he's he's laying down how much he cares about this place that he knows he's going to blow out of the water later on with with more powerful problems about individuals and having to leave them right. and mm-hmm. how I'm a bad boy mm-hmm. and, and yeah. on and on and on. But this is this is sort of like, okay, really, this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I care about. Yeah. So, so you think it's, it's a return to his hometown? Yeah. This is, all, this is about like going back to his youth. Yeah. It, it feels reflective yeah. in a way where like, like, especially with the level of that he like reached as an artist, 
where like you you're going 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 and you're never really stopping to like right, reflect sure. on things mm-hmm. and this is sure. and this feels like cuz there's a gap in there at this point of his career where it's like the the music isn't coming out so quickly cuz like when he when he mm-hmm. re, when he became like the legacy act that comes back like like the Aerosmiths of the world like in the the MTV era when mm-hmm. he became when he reascended to the top of the whole thing a lot of songs came out in a very quick period of time mm-hmm, for him right. between like He's rapid fire. Yeah. Between like 89 and like 93 with the greatest hits. And I call it the greatest hits of Tom Petty album because in the same way with like, you know, the legacy actually put out music in the CD era that, you know, like was the greatest well, hits. Here's, here's his work, like an actual album in real time. Mm-hmm. It, it did. But here's the funny thing about the greatest hits. It had one of his greatest hits on it. That <laughs> yes. was, it wasn't last dance with Mary Jane right. is so recognizable. I mean, again, this, this stuff yes. just worked into the fabric of at least American. Like, I, I don't know if I, if I go abroad, I know people who love it. like it, it gets in there. It's because he's a storyteller. He's used this stuff like Southern accents, uh, songs off that mm-hmm. album to discuss like racism, to discuss how like dirty the South actually is, which is something we talk a lot about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and address it in a way like the, if you look on the Southern accents tour and you can, because there's a great tour documentary out there, yes, there is. Uh, called back to the plantation. Uh, the whole backdrop is a big rebel flag. And at that time, yeah. at that time, that was, people weren't having that discussion, at least not in the South. It's, and, you know, and, Hell, they weren't even having it until a couple of years ago, which is which is shameful. Mm-hmm. But recently, somebody asked him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, that was bad," and and here's why it was bad. And he went on the record just saying, "Like, this is something that we thought was okay, and we want to talk about this and explain all this in this music." Which is somebody in that position who, arguably, is making pop hits. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't often see. Um, so when he put the flag up, and then and then set up the performance in front of it. Yeah. He was doing it. I mean, it was just a, it was a just prop. an off, just a thought. He really wasn't trying was, to make a was, statement. So, so like you guys are from Wisconsin and I'm, right. I'm from the South. Well, so. she grew up in Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, I grew so, up in Ac- well, I was born in A little bit of rock and roll okay. happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Meh. Isn't that? Isn't that? So, so <laughs> the, what the flag, the, just the ubiquity of it, and because you're, you're uh, saturated in the racism mm-hmm. and in the sy- systemic racism, you don't ever have somebody sit you down and say why it's bad. So until you get to this point where you either realize, for whatever reason you realize it, it's just part of the culture. So was he an innocent? Maybe. Mm. Not really, but I mean. Mm. Just just suggesting it. I don't know. Mm. I mean. It's like I've always Or felt, naive. Yeah. Na- naive would be, a, I think, a so better word. It's just that. That's the flag. That's just what it happens to be. Like for yeah. like, like I've always like thought of it in the sense of like that's just the flag. Right. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Like there's nothing you can like do to change it. Especially like, not 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 until like recent times have we had the conversation where it's like you could take down the rebel flag and do a thing with it. Before that, there was no like real hue and cry, pop culture wise, to be mm-hmm. like. The rebel flag represents this, this, and this. We should take it down. We should right. rip it up. We should burn it. No, it was not a thing. It's just like, this is my flag. I'm performing in front of a flag. Mm-hmm. It has a special piece of my heritage as a part of it. Not as a white man, but just as a guy who grew up in, in Gainesville, yeah. uh, Florida. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, the, no, it, it is. In it, my local the, community. That yeah. flag is a part of what he went through as, as a child growing up. Right. It, it, did, uh, uh, yeah, it represented something. 
and probably he wasn't even sure what it meant to him. Exactly. It was just right. something that exactly. was always there at the back of the garage. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you look at a band like Allman Brothers or uh, Leonard Skinner, multi I was gonna say multiracial, mm-hmm. uh, multicultural bands that use the flag, it wasn't it was just like yeah, that's why Dukes of Hazard mm-hmm. like thrived. Dukes of Hazard was my favorite one of my favorite shows as a child. Yeah. So well, like... which hilariously my parents <laughs> were from Ohio and when we moved down here it was like five, they wouldn't let me watch it. Mm. So I was at the babysitters and all the kids on the swing set telling me what's happened on Dukes of Hazard, and well, that probably had more to do with Daisy Duke. Than <laughs> anything else. You know, I, I think is. I think you're right. There it is. Weirdly puritanical. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, you know, so, so, so <laughs> just uh, says my mom. <laughs> says your mom. <laughs> um, ain't doing I, no harm. You know, like you mentioned, he he did go more personal on that and i think that's a good take on this album the song i want to play right now is uh one of his most personal i think that he's written i think it explicitly references his divorce yeah and uh and as somebody who is divorced it is one of the best songs about divorce i think ever it it, it captures everything about that in its basic terms and and uh, we're gonna play that and then talk about why being a very economical songwriter works so well for him. But this is a defining thing. Recently covered by Father John Misty, by the way. I really want to hear that. In the middle of his life Left his wife And ran off to be back Boy, it was sad But he bought a new car a new bar and went under another name created a whole new game and the days went by like paper in the wind everything changed then changed again it's hard to find a friend it's hard to find a Boyfriend moved in and took over the house. Everybody was quiet as a mouse. And to change their lives, change their plans. Slowly they grew apart. Boy, would have broke your heart. Days went by like paper in the wind. Everything changed, then changed again. It's hard to find a friend. It's hard to find a friend. Yeah, but, you know, I, I first heard that song. I- Probably his early mid twenties, and now as, as a forty five year old dude, it means way much more, and it's and, and it's such a different meaning and stuff. And and that is for me the hallmark of that song, this album, uh, Petty's career in general is this stuff gets in you at whatever age you find it, and you keep to keep growing with it. Well, what did you think it was at first? And 
Didn't 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 know. Didn't know. Didn't didn't just, think just, about just it. Just like the song yeah. itself, like the sonic construction of the song, is not sad. Mm-hmm. No, right. yeah, it's right. it's a perky. I mean, if you if yeah. you just listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you're like but then you get a little deeper. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'll like, tell you this because ultimately the, that whole experience uh, isn't necessarily sad. It's just life. Mm-hmm. You, you, exactly, just and that's why and, I think it's a perfect capture of it yeah. because it's not a "woe is me" song. It's a "this is what happened," right? And here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what's going to happen next, and we're just going to keep changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's going to change again, and it's going to change again. And I think the kind of repetitive nature of the way the song is written yep. is 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 reflective of that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the sonics a little bit because in listening to this song, mm-hmm. like something struck me. Um, it's like the thing with Tom Petty is that Tom Petty has this long career. Like, and people don't ever think about Tom Petty having this mm-hmm. long career. They think, oh, because Tom Petty's career happens in spurts. But mm-hmm. there's this thing in there that's like this, like you take a little bit of this, like you know, kind of like Rebels '70s, like country folk rock thing that was happening, and then there's this kind of like this Beatles energy going on yep. in there. Like that kind of like Rocky Raccoon White Album yeah. kind of thing in there as well. And you're just like, wow, it's 1994 and he probably hasn't thought about making songs using that kind of construction in 20 years. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you're at the point where he's at making this record, I always look at this record like, okay, well. And he was never really a guy who liked the MTV thing well, too no, much. Though, hold on. Yeah. The Wilburys. So he's he's yeah. he's steeped in that. But he's, I mean, and, and, and he, actually on this album. He, he plays credits, drums on that. He right. credits the Beatles with being yeah. the reason why he's he played rock and roll in the first place. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that's always in the back of his mind. Yeah. Like, so, but it's it's really present here. It's really present. And absolutely. It like pops out. You're just like, oh, oh, okay, there it is. And it's like this. It's like jarring in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's like um, Mike. Warren, who who does these with us sometimes, you know, you know, Michael. He he yeah. couldn't be here. He lives up the street uh, and has something going on. Uh, he he sent me a, a little statement to read about his stuff. He said, "What impresses me about Petty's writing is the tremendous economy of the lyrics. He rarely uses a syllable more than needed, and frequently succeeded as a lyricist by using f- fewer syllable syllables uh, than the music could bear." And not only is he absolutely right, but you know, he he sent that to me, and I and I. I'm struggling to think of anybody else who really does that. Dylan uses all the words, all the words, like mm-hmm. every, every successful songwriter that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, uses all these words. You were making fun of, uh, Tyler Childers, Tyler Childers. Yes. For, for, using using all, like, for putting in all the words. What it reminds me more though, is of an actual like novelist mm-hmm. who has to be economical because, you know, yeah, you're limited on this, but you, if you only have 200 pages to work with, Especially back, like in the early yeah. mid-century stuff, then you you got to be tight, and you got to keep people intrigued. Yeah. Can you think of anybody else who can do that? Well, I think part of it is with his what about vocal Nora style Jones? Too, Nora know? Jones, she's good at it. Yeah. She's, she's good at that. She's pretty efficient. Yeah, yeah she just like... says it real straight. But I think that part of that, like I, I think part of that is because of the way he is as a singer and the minimalist. Mm-hmm. you know kind of style and you know he gets kind of clown later in his career because his voice changes a little bit and his style you know like and we hear a bit of that on this record we can we kind of get glimpses of that um yet to come and you know you think of his later performances and you know he sounds he sounds he's got a he's got a different kind of depth he, he, and, and his voice and, his voice ages his voice and, ages and, absolutely and it, it, uh, we had just talked about people's and voices, michael mcdonald right? yeah michael mcdonald right, right. same yeah. thing 
and and he aged into it. He aged exactly, and yeah. it it I think it highlighted a lot of how he tells stories because it's a very different thing if it's a young guy telling you a story like the the old wizened guy. I think really... that's part of this record, though. There's this sense of awareness throughout, mm. you know, and I think that that's one of the brilliant or one of the brilliant things about having Rick Rubin attached to it is that he's really good at channeling that from his artists, and you know. It, it it's it's a way that he is aware of how he's singing, what he's saying, how he's playing, what he's playing, how it's all being put together, mm-hmm. and to have it through through the vision and you know the eyes and ears of Rick Rubin as well. It's going to be a masterpiece. Well, you know? Rubin did Full Moon Fever too, mm-hmm. and that yeah. wasn't, to my mind, as as good as this. That was kind of, that was sort of him stretching out. And for this, I know Petty basically said, yeah, it's not going to be a Heartbreakers album, even though it is. Even though it is, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be a Heartbreakers <laughs> album because. We want, as far as creative control, just to be the one guy, which says immediately, okay, so they definitely had some sort of democratic process going on in that band, which if you've got Mike Campbell and Ben Ben Montrench, come on. Yeah. Right. Like, of course you do. Uh, But, you know, to that point, they never produced anything this good after. There's good work by the Heart... The the Heartbreakers were just road warriors. Right. And they could come out and they could be the best bar band in the world and you'd have a good time... I finally saw him here at, uh, at a Jiffy Lube Live or whatever the hell they call it now, uh, and it was amazing. All the way in the back, it was just like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a rock show. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's a rock show unlike anybody does these days, where it can, where it can connect like that. Mm-hmm. Like you can go see any country artist who's selling out that stuff. Chris Stapleton just did that. It's not going to connect with you the same way. Although he's a very similar songwriter. I say he's. There's a thing with there's a thing with atmosphere. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, so when this album came out, I was 16 years old, um, and my mom would always say that Tom Petty to her felt like he was always 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's accurate. Though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my mom was like, she's like, oh, that's like how old? Like, I, it was funny because I was telling her. Um, a couple days ago, I'm like, I'm doing this this thing, and she's like, oh, Tom Petty, and she goes. How old is Tom Petty anyway? I'm like, Mom, Tom Petty just passed. He just passed. And she's like, oh. So I guess he was older. I go, yeah. She goes, oh, I thought he was like 45. Even when he wasn't 45. For like 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, because it's like, and then we were talking about it. We broke it down. It's like the atmosphere mm-hmm. of the songs. Like, that, it like, you know, like there's something in there that like, because of the economy of the lyrics, mm-hmm. because it's like, like it's plain spoken and it's direct. Then it's like it, it just you get rid of all of the like kind of like vagrancies in songwriting and production of youth. But I think and, I think too that you know anytime you hear a Tom Petty song, if you if you followed him from the beginning and you got that understanding of who he was and right. where he was writing from, he was mm-hmm. writing from an an experience, a love of where he lived, a sense of place. Right. The later songs, even if they didn't refer to it, you can tell that he's still that same mm-hmm. guy that came from there. Right. And he's still the simple guy. He's just talking about. Slightly more grown-up things, but still in a very simple way. And it's not a trick. A no, of, no, it's, of, it's people, genuine. A lot of people use this as a marketing thing, like, I'm going back to my roots. And no, it's like, no, nah, it's not Approximately authentic. 98% of country right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I would say that the one thing that he's got going for him is how genuine he is and how honest yeah. he is all the way through. He's the guy that... that 
he says, I'm a bad boy. How many times does he say that he's bad? Yeah. You know, he does it a lot. Like he's a little kid and I'm a bad boy. Yeah. Right. But he says it as a grown man. And you know he's a man, but he's still this person that he presented to you through this album. That, that's just, that's what the song uh, "Good to Be King" I think is all about. Mm-hmm. Because that that song yeah. is hilariously like a pathetic look inside a guy's mind who just doesn't have anything. But he's like, "Come on, just let me just let me have this. Mm-hmm. Like, give me." <laughs> and, and it's an admission that he fucked it up himself. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But uh, but I want to play a track. This closes out the album um, because I think this is this may be uh, if not. The pinnacle of his career, it, it's one of them because it, it just, it's just, it's soaring. It's amazing. This is uh, wake up time. You follow your feelings, you follow your dreams, you follow the leader into the tree. And what's in there waiting? Neither one of Knows you gotta keep one eye open the further you go. You never dreamed you'd go down on one knee, but now who could have seen? to please somehow you feel like a poor boy a long way from home you're just a poor boy a long way from home and it's wake up time time to open up your eyes Spend your life dreaming, running round in a trance. You hang out forever and still miss the dance. And if you get lucky, you might find someone to help. In high school, what happened? You were so sure not to have your spirit stamping, but you're just a poor boy alone in this world. You're just a poor boy alone. Wake Up Time, that is, I, I don't need any other song in the universe ever to explain to me the journey of life other than that and what it means to get old. That is, and, and it, that, despite not knowing what Define a Friend was about, that resonated with me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I got it. I was like, oh, okay. This is going to be a roadmap. I'm just going to take Tom's advice. 
and we're going to follow it. And I have, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it bears out. <laughs> I mean, See, I don't have that perspective at all on this record from uh, the beginning. No, I mean, I was 14. Yeah, that's true. I was 14. I knew the radio songs right. at the time. And what I loved about this record, so, and I, and I didn't really have an appreciation for it until I was 16 and was driving because it was on the radio. Yep. Um, such a good driving record. Such a good driving. Tell, we, we, tell we were literally. Them what you drove? Tell them. I what drove, you drove in a 1983 Pontiac Bonneville. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> that was my grandfather's car. This is the. This, <laughs> and it did not have. Here's the catch, though. It didn't have a. This is a very. This is a crucial part of my life. Yeah. Okay. And I will probably reference this multiple times moving forward. My car did not have a cassette deck or a CD player. Did you have right. a track? I had a radio. Oh, yeah. even better, even better. And there were three stations that I could listen to, yeah. minus NPR. There was the country station, mm-hmm. there was the popular station, and there was the quote-unquote classic rock station. Oh, that's a weird Guess one. which one I listened to. Oh, the classic yeah. rock The classic rock station. <laughs> so as a result, I know every single, air quotes, classic rock song that ever existed. All the guitar solos, all of the harmony parts, all yeah. of everything. That's all I listened to the hundred miles a day I drove in a single day, I would drive 100 miles a day. Easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so my entry point to this record is is the harmonies and the vocals. Right. And that's mm. what, so I have this weird, I have a very, I don't know, my, vo- my vocal range, like my comfort zone, I've discovered while I was binging on Tom Petty. Okay. Lines up perfectly with Tom Petty. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a win. So, mm-hmm. as a result, but like, and just do, my mom and I just driving over Petty here today, band? singing in the car. I was like, I, these are my like, I can sing along to Tom Petty records yeah. and pick a harmony part and and pick the whatever melody and and it's just it's beautiful and it's fun and I enjoy it and I'm comfortable singing it and I think that's one of the reasons why so many of these songs resonated with me, um, because I could I could engage with them. In a way that yeah. wasn't accessible to a lot of other music that was being played on the radio, or you know, later in life as I started to listen to the whole album, mm-hmm. like th- I can't always sing along with you know female R and B artists right. or pop singers right. or whatever. Like that's out of my range. Um, but that, and that's one thing I love about this record. And just period, whether I can sing it or not, is the the, the vocal arrangements. Yeah. They're so simplistic, but and not in a bad way. But like they're accessible and under and digestible in a way that is just so beautiful. The, the, I don't really know how to describe they're it. They're lush that. in a way that that it, before or since hasn't been seen on a on a Heartbreakers album. Like they mm-hmm. had they have their own vibe. Yeah, and you know Petty called it Mojo, but they have their own. They named an album after that, but it it's not this. And and but it's the same staff. That that's the thing. They didn't bring in all these vocalists. Say, hey, can you beef this up? They no. just said, okay, you're gonna do it like this. I think too to your point about being able to do that. So if you think of the major musical deaths that we've had over the past few years, you have Bowie, mm-hmm. Prince. Those are those are those are two big ones. Those guys were from outer space, man. But one hundred. But Petty was always just one of us. Mm-hmm. Just a dude from Florida. Mm-hmm. No, but that's the that's the genius of Tom Petty is that everything he did was deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. Like deceptively, like um, you don't know how it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drums. Oh yeah. Or yeah. you don't know how it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or insane. Like people don't understand. Like, okay, so this is around the time I was like sixteen when I really decided. Okay, I really like music. Like, <laughs> oh, I, this is the thing I really enjoy. Yeah. So it was like ninety four is like you know Nas and Outkast and all of that of and course. everything. So I'm like, 
I've got like all of the music. And now I also, this is like when like, you know, like I got a CD player yeah. and everybody had a greatest hits album. And then there's also the radio. Yeah. It's just like a key part of things. And like, so I had a, I had a car with a, with the plug-in for the CD player. Oh, like the cassette tape? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pop-in thing plug-in. with the cord? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I wanted that so mm-hmm. bad. Right. I didn't even know. And I would, <laughs> and, and so all I did was like, listen to the best music. Cause I had like rap from 94, mm-hmm. which is like the best. It's a great year for rap. And then you have like all of the classic like rock like reissue albums that are like on CD and I had like I had a job at the the Georgetown Day School Library. So I was making good money cuz you know I worked a lot of hours, the hours when I was like not in class, like I would be at the library, I'd be at the library like you know on the weekends to help teachers do stuff and like whatever. So I was making good money. So I had like all of this stuff and like there's things like the drums on You Don't Know How It Feels. When that song came out, and I was listening to all this other stuff that was like in, mm-hmm. influencing it, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. Like that—that that, it's—it's just—it's—it sounds so easy. Mm-hmm. But then, like when you understand music even more, you're like, "No, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. actually what? like mm-hmm. iconic." Well, let's, hear, let's hear a little bit of that um, because to let people know if they haven't, I unimaginable that you haven't heard this but they haven't uh, and this was the big hit yeah. so this is uh, you, you don't know how it feels let me run with you tonight I'll take you Someone I used to see But she don't give a damn for me Well let me get to the point Let's roll another joint And turn the radio loud I'm too long to be proud And you don't know You don't have you know, those drums are like iconic. Yeah, are, we're putting Jay Dilla on. on, on, on. Yeah, I just said this is the Jay Dilla track mm-hmm. for Tom Petty. It is. It is because the drums are a mystery. Because it's like okay, so you listen to this song, and like the the great the great joy of the song is how simple you think it is. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this song is so easy. It's so simple. Then there's joy, and you're like, oh yeah, smoking weed, right on, like all that, and then. When you like break it down and you're like an older person and you're like, I'm a, I want to be a musicologist. I want to be a music journalist. I want to understand how this stuff actually works. And then you start to listen and you're like, wait, there's a beat missing from that drum. Yeah, wait, wait, huh? <laughs> and then there's, <laughs> and this thing should be here, but it's not here and it's over here. And then like but, but Tom I Petty like fills, fills like a bunch of bars with like the one, like one word and you're like, okay, that's crazy. Like this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But yet it makes all the sense mm-hmm. because of like, that whole thing we're talking about, like vibe and mm-hmm. feel, and mm-hmm. like everything that goes into like how Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers made songs, it just works. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, back, back that to mojo the, thing. Back, yeah, back to the point though, being a storyteller. I mean, this this gets into like the just nerdy shit for like if you're in middle school using multimedia to tell your story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he, he's using all these different modes to tell mm-hmm. the thing, so he might not even say the word, but if 
there's an inflection in his voice, yeah, or mm-hmm. even just the way a drum hits, that's going to give you your cue to something. And he might not even have been conscious of any of this. I like to think he was. I like yeah. to think that he knew everything, and he was just this was with Rick Rubin. So obviously yeah. he's super because Rick is super conscious of everything. Yeah, yeah. But what's so delightful is that it's 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 simple in one way in that all he did was put it in mm-hmm. he just inserted it right not a big fanfare not a big show-offy no. thing no. and in fact almost hid it in there just to be able mm-hmm. to have it make the song better yeah, the and, and, is- and be surprising he, he historically has let his art just speak for itself right yep. but he's very humble that way yeah. very yeah. humble you know which is i i mean i prefer that in mm-hmm. artists like if you can if I if I need a specific answer and you can break it down in in like chart it out and everything that's great. But if it's really working, I just want you to say, yeah, I just I just made it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and a rap then, thing I wanted to make as a corollary to what you were saying because I was thinking about this as I listened to like way too many hours of Tom Petty, mm-hmm. way too many. Um, there's an interplay between like the drummer and the vocalist. Mm-hmm. That's like a lost thing in in rock that rap. As rap ascended, that became a thing. Picked up, yeah. Like the idea of like the voice against the break. Mm-hmm. Tom Petty's voice against drums is a phenomenal part of his career. Does that come? Do you think from uh, from old R and B though? I think it does. See, because yeah. I mean that, that I his his, his initial mission was to be like basically the best R and B band, right? And and, that, it's, and it's definitely a thing, and you get that feel, and it's there. Like songs like Running Down a Dream. Because Running Down a Dream has that great pickup, and it's just mm-hmm. so, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, it moves at a pace faster than it does, but then when you listen to it, you're like, wait, this is really slow. It's actually not that fast. <laughs> you just feel like you're going fast. Yeah, and the voice is the thing that's carrying mm-hmm. the drum even mm-hmm. further. And mm-hmm. on this thing, like, when you listen to, like, something like, you don't know how it feels, like, Tom Petty's voice makes that drum move, like, a half a beat slower, and you're just like... That's why it works mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. his voice is so syrupy and the hook like emerges out of the kick and it's like, who does that? Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's bizarre. You're just like, mm-hmm. how does like, how does, where does the word joint even come from? Right. Mm-hmm. In the hook? Right. It's like, you're like, wait, let's hear Well, and the radio version was another month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's even crazier. Like, then, wait, like, how does that even work? Like, yeah. This actually kind of works. But it the also works to sell the song because everybody knew what he was mm-hmm. saying. Right. Well, and he, the other one where he talks about getting high and, you know, again, I'm 14. Yeah. 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 Not that I was not aware of what In that was. Wisconsin. Hem, hem. Yeah. laid back. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy because, like, and then, like, the harmonica on that, too, just yeah. kind of, like, just, like, because, and, and again, it's that, that goes back to the R&B band thing where, like, the drum is the kind of, like, the central core unit of the thing. And it's, like, everything just kind of, like, rises out. Mm-hmm. And Tom has that voice that, like, when you do it with the drum as, like, the focal point of the thing, and it just emerges out. Because that's the difference with, like, bands like Aerosmith and other bands. It's, like, they're in a play of, like, okay, this steaming guitar mm-hmm. and this big, loud voice, we're going to... Have a race to see who could be louder. I think. No. I, I think with a lot of other bands, especially classic rock bands, in in uh, <laughs> the ones that are Zeppelin's uh, the same way in that case. Yeah, hmm. somewhat. I was going to say Zeppelin is, is is on the opposite side of that. Is that everybody has a defined role and like you right. don't, and you don't want those to mesh except in the the so like whole lot of love right except is in, one of those ones yeah, yeah. where but, it's but what Petty game. does and I think what the great rock and roll bands do right. is that you you are playing that instrument maybe but the role the the it's holistic. 
The band is the thing. Right. It's not like Slash is out there ripping off a bitching guitar solo. Yeah. Right. Or it, it is everything is happening. I, I mean, I can't name a single great Mike Campbell solo because I'm just like, you are one of the best guitar players <laughs> of all time, and I don't care. Like, if you're playing, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Joe Perry, you could easily mm-hmm. like go down the road and stuff. And yeah. uh, Jimmy Page. So maybe they're Ooh. straddling the... Yeah, the line there. Um, yeah, it's just a cool thing that I've I noticed after listening to yeah. like Tom Petty stuff for a lot of hours. I was like, yeah, mm. I get it. Like, this is what makes it cool. Like, how many like great quote unquote rock bands do you find this like interplay between like a, a lead singer and a and a drum break? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, and then I'm like, oh yeah, because and then it's like. Why would I even care about that? It's like, oh yeah, because I listen to rap all the time. That's right. Right. Well, if you go back through their later albums, and the reason I said that I don't think they have a truly great album is because they ha- these hits are outside of. I think we can agree outside of music. They're just from another place. They're like yeah. they're like Purple Rain. They're like mm-hmm. Bowie's song. They just exist somewhere else, and we get to experience them. But the other tracks on the old albums all get into that R&B really I mean they're just a fantastic blues band mm-hmm. well we were in the car over here like I forgot about Honeybee I completely well, yeah. forgot oh, about that song. On that song and that, so that's what I was like wait what is <laughs> right. this mm-hmm. Honeybee I mean it, I, I, it, I was it took me by surprise I was like oh this is okay you know this is this is a, this is his dirty old man song yes I think. Yeah. And, uh, let's play honey because because that is so and, great and and cabin down below is gets even creepier but mm-hmm. uh, this yeah. is a little right. bit of hon- but this the style of this song i was just like oh right this is a little bit of honeybee Mr. Petty, the short pants are legal in most states. Why? Like, <laughs> the short pants lyrics. 
Why the short pants? Well, because like, he's an old cause, man. Cause, that's one point where I was like, Timothy. oh, no, Tom Petty. <laughs> short pants. But, but it works because it, it's it's the blues tradition, right? And, yeah. it, and it's the band executing on that blues tradition. And their earlier, reason why their earlier yeah. albums are lousy with stuff like that. Not that explicit or lascivious, but they're certainly like in that territory. It's that same thing when like Led Zeppelin covers Traveling Riverside Blues and it's, mm-hmm. you know, squeeze my living until the juice runs down my leg. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, in that same tradition. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a thing. And, um, but no, it's like, it's, it's fascinating when you get to that point as like an artist when like, I feel like there's a point with, especially with rock where like you've made all the money, you've done all the tours, mm-hmm. you've bought all the houses, you bought all the cars, you've like paid off all the ex-wives and then you're just like, okay, we're still alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do we do? Now what? <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's where the good, this kind of good stuff like good stuff. emerges from. Cause it's like, wow. Like, and then also on top of it, you also know all the songs mm-hmm. and how to play all the songs mm-hmm. because you and your band are such great players where there's no song you need to learn how to play mm-hmm. at this point because you've had this guitar in your hand for at that point, what? 30, 35 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And this is only by 94. So you're like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we got 35 years of experience. What what song are we going to make mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Well, mm. the other thing, too, I think he's always trying to play off of the fact that, you know, I'm a good boy. He's, you know, his upbringing and all that. Yeah. But then he's always telling you, I'm a bad boy. Right. And maybe a few songs from now, I'm going to tell you about it. And then, and this is, and then he does. And then yeah. he does. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then he he'll does. come out with his bad boy songs. Right. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of them that just say what a bad guy, right. you know, he is. Yeah. And But then he'll go back to, you know, I, I was such a nice boy. But yeah. But then, but then you get Honeybee. Yeah. And, yeah. You get honey. and, yeah. and, and so let me pull the room. Is is Cabin Down Below about a serial killer? I mean, well, it could be about many things. I mean, gonna get you alone, little girl. Come on down to the cabin yeah, down below. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cabins that he could be talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, originally I thought it was it was the flip side of this coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because if you back to like the life metaphor I was like putting out there, you know, this is you know carnal as part of mm-hmm. life, and so yeah. that's fine. He's talking about that, but then I, I listened to it in the car the other day, and I was like, oh wait, wait a minute. This is him going. This is the only time he reveals himself as a storyteller, I think. And it's just like, I'm telling you a ghost story. Yeah, we all want to believe that this is not an actual real life story. Yeah. Like they're, they're, yeah. This is one of those moments where you're like, please don't let this be autobiographical. We give one more hit. Breaking news. Tom Petty had a cabin. Guess what he did there? Um, yeah, it's, it's that. It's like the, the night the lights went out in Georgia kind of, kind of right. song where you're like, oh, like, really? Because it, it's in that tradition. Because there's that. Because so. there's that. Yeah. There's that thing in rock and like like with all those like '70s artists where it was like you got to have like the one song that's like kind of like the last house on the left level creepy because that was just the thing that existed in that era. So you're like, okay. Well, you would think of the Beatles who were supposed mm-hmm. to be so nice and sweet. You yeah. know, you better <laughs> run for your life if you can, little yeah. girl. You know, <laughs> right. you know. I, he's a strong tradition. Yeah. That. yeah, yeah. That was a horrible thing to do. Not even more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally yeah. beat you. Like, Catch hmm. you with another man. That's the end, <laughs> yeah. little girl. Yeah. Uh, and calling people little girl in a song. Is, yeah. It's not, not okay. Can we stop doing that? Yeah. It's uh, Springsteen does that a lot. And yeah. who, who else? Oh, who else does that? That really shouldn't. 
I mean, nobody should. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Right. No, every but there's guy. some guy. Every time Daria hears it, it's like he's like, no. "Oh, Gary Pocket oh, was the worst." Gary, 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 Gary no, Pocket was the worst. I'm on fire. Oh, really? Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Go away and leave you all alone. It's like, come on, dude. You can't be like that. That's like no. that's, but that's out of that blues tradition. It again. is. It is. It's but very you know much out of the blues could, tradition. Could have died back there. Yeah. <laughs> that tradition can be left in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. It's 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 it's, it's crazy because it's like I was trying to think about like modern artists who like. Okay, so I was trying to think initially of modern artists who could like benefit from this tradition. Because mm-hmm. I always think about like because one of the saddest parts of my journalistic career is I'm really good at writing obituaries. Mm-hmm. Like I've written about. 50 of them at this point now and it's just like a thing where you know editor somewhere will be like marcus so-and-so died do you, can you think you think you can knock right, this, this out which way by tomorrow morning and i'm like yeah yeah that's terrifying and like this person is gone like the worst is like when frankie knuckles passed away and it was mm. like marcus frankie knuckles passed and i'm like okay well let me call his friend ultranate on the phone and like cut through ultra crying for an hour and then maybe right. get like you know the quote and you're like oh this yeah. is horrifying and terrible yep. but um so it's like but then there's like that other point where you're like okay so you get to the point of writing where you're like all right well like where's the modern corollary because you want this to have some kind of like sex appeal to it for the average like you know current day reader and i'm like thinking of like modern artists and i'm thinking about like you know like the anderson pox of the world and those mm-hmm. kind of artists who like could benefit because now we're like genre free and we're moving into this mm-hmm. era where like you know everybody can kind of touch it and i'm like well there's like that R and B and rock commingling where like people could benefit from like diving into like diving to the right and diving a little bit to the left. And I think that's the genius of where Tom Petty was, was that like he occupied that spot that nobody really occupies right now, which is why when Tom Petty passed away, I feel like everybody stopped for a second because now when people pass away, like when Prince did and when David Bowie did, you're like, wait, oh my God, we're never going to have an artist like this ever again in life. Ever, ever again. Ever, oh my God, again, this was the last guy. And you're like, like the air just leaves your body because mm-hmm. you're like... This is the first and the last. Mm-hmm. You're like, this guy, we can't replicate him. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it was like, you know, like when you have like the 27 Club, you're thinking, okay, like mm-hmm. Janis Joplin passes away, but then you're like, okay, so we can maybe find some other folks who could do that thing. <laughs> but now you're like... In this case, you're like, whoa. So there's no modern there's no, corollary. No, that's it. right. And, that, and that's something that I've been thinking uh, a good bit about because I don't know if I don't know if we need to replace these people. I mean, I feel like artistically no. we do. But well, there, I mean, there's, that's, nothing, that's the there's nothing that's going to replace Tom Petty in my heart. Right? And But at the same time, you know, grumpy old curmudgeonly <laughs> me on this podcast reviewing albums – you know, we are slipping. We talked about this the other day. How music in 2017 just isn't good. And <laughs> there are some good. There are some good, but compared to like records. last year, yeah, this, this is not. And there's many, not many a banner reasons. year maybe. But... Yeah, many reasons for that. Yeah, uh, but I don't want to see that trend continue, and that that that's what concerns me. But to your point about R and B and stuff like that, and I've said this before, uh, a ways back, I feel like that and hip hop specifically are. Right on the cusp, if which is weird because I think they already went through it, but it's happening again, of the tradition that he came out of, not that he came out of, the explosion of rock and roll in the 50s, mm-hmm. where you could do anything. And where yeah. you, the reason you had the Beatles and no other Beatles is because they were just the first to get there. And who's going to do that? They, they, they did suck all the air out of the room. 
for their own use. Mm-hmm. So people found their own space. And at the time, it was like, oh, this is there's a limited amount of slots. So we're either going to be like a Stones coverish band, a Beatles, but we're not going to have that level of genius. And I think now maybe those slots have expanded a little. And what we're seeing is people messing with it. But I, I think in that area, era, or area that you've got the most potential there for this. So maybe the next guy isn't going to be some like white dude from Gainesville, Florida, a country singer or country rock and roll singer. Right. Maybe it's going to be a guy who heard Anderson Pac. That's what I'm thinking. Like I'm mm-hmm. thinking about people like Anderson Pac and people like you know even Ab and other artists. Well, Ab, who you could take, Ab, yeah, you can take, like, okay, so like, I have a friend of mine who will say to me till the day I die that like Tom Petty and Heartbreakers were nothing but a really bad Beatles cover band. And like that's one of his favorite you things. Could, to say. You your friend, bro. Assemble an <laughs> argument, but you might lose the. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. you can say things, and that's yeah. what he would say all the you time. Could, you we could were put like, it together, but for the for the better part of twenty years, he said this to me like over and over. He sent me a text when Tom Brady passed away. That was the text, and I'm like, really, bro? That was the text. That was the text. Well, that like, is just disrespectful. I'm like, bro, really? Yeah. Like, you're going to use the same argument we used in high school? Like, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, and but but then it's like, when you think about it, you're like, okay. So, like, what does that entail? It entails the idea that, like, you can't make I want to hold your hand, but you can make the I want to hold your hand for Gainesville, Florida, circa right. 1969 mm-hmm. or right. whatever. You can make that song that fits into that expectation Mm -hmm. and it's like it could also be inflected with leonard skinnerd and allman brothers and all of that and you can weave all that together there's an interesting combination with what tom petty's like identity is in terms of regionality because you could also easily put him in like a arthur lee love legacy category Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah. Right, and that's California. That's a that's a absolutely completely other side of the country. Yes, but he could sonically fit into that kind mm. of a of a trajectory, right? I should and wear so, my love T shirt. I feel weird. <laughs> like, you know, but and and that you know, I didn't again. I didn't know that it was Florida music. Like, what does that even mean, right? But right. But I didn't. I I honestly thought he was from Los Angeles. Right. Because I was like, oh, okay. I know bands like the Eagles. I know bands like whatever, you know, and they're very, they have a certain sound and a certain aesthetic and all that. And then, you know, but, but so I think it's, it's a little more complicated for people to understand his regional identity in terms of the, the culture and the, all of that. But as a result, he reaches more audiences and he, he takes over things in a way that is like, not possible for a lot of other people. I, I think the LA uh, side of that equation enabled that. Yeah. I, I have some really good friends in a band uh, called Roko Ghost Choir, and they're from mm-hmm. around where he was. He grew up. Mm-hmm. And and it looked like lazy PR writing because Andrew sounds like Petty. He can't, I mean, he, he can just do Petty, mm-hmm. but their music doesn't sound anything like Tom Petty. But we've talked about it, and it's like, yeah, that is just the pettiness of that is ingrained in that culture still. Right. Because they're, I mean, if you saw what the, uh, the, uh, the football game, like everybody, what'd they sing? Uh, it wasn't free falling. We might've been won't back down the whole stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like saying, mm-hmm. so this is, this is part of Florida. They claim him. He claims them. He isn't like, no, nah, I'm LA. None of that. Mm-hmm. Right. This, right. You know, it's part of that. But I, but I think 
the lessons learned in LA, mm-hmm. like enabled him to, like you said, to push Absolutely. it out to a broader audience, everybody. And he knew that line of where to get people listen to it, where they would say mud crutch, mm-hmm. his other band, right. mm-hmm. you know, is just that swampy Florida blue stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like, there's a, there's a, okay. So like, and this gets into like Southern rap too, which I know you are very fond of. There's a sophistication to being lazy. In, in the studio and like not making things sound so polished and not making things sound so impactful. Like this kick has to like knock over the whole universe <laughs> and reset the way that, you know, the universe spins like New York rap or right. something like that. Right. Or like even like Dre stuff out of Cali, like where it's like, okay, this kid, this, this, this drum's going to smash and everything's going to, going to fall over. But there's something about the South where, and they're great Southern stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like lazy by comparison. Because it doesn't, maybe it doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't feel the same way. But there's a sophistication in everything that you shove into all of the space that you leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. In making the, the, the music sound the way that it sounds. And there's something I think in like just the pace of life. And just, like, the amount of, like, strife on whatever level, whether that's, like, you know, lack of money, lack of time, lack of, like, you know, inclination, lack of, like, you know, just depression about where you are, your state in life and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just an intriguing thing where, like, you shove all that into that space that you leave in in the music, and that's the genius of it. And then when you go to, like, L.A., you put that sheen right. that everything yeah. gets, everything L.A., especially that's rock of it, that era. It's called cocaine, brother. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I'm certain. It's that sheen that comes over top of it. That's like that it's a eagle, glow. Right, that eagles-ish glow. That the yep. eagles, I mean, the eagles lived in the glow. They didn't live in the, the bottom of it. They lived right. in the glow. Right. They were, they... <laughs> yes, they did. That's the genius of the eagles is like, Okay, whatever's going on in the bottom is going on in the bottom. Like, screw that. We're going to be up here. Yeah. We're going to hang out yep. way up here. Like, Hotel California exists up here. Yes, it <laughs> Like, and it's a beautiful thing about that song as compared to, like, You Don't Know How It Feels or Free Falling or Won't Back Down or any well, of those songs. Well, so that, you know, but, but the, you know, but think of what Dave Grohl did with Sonic Highways. Yeah. And, and with yes. the absolute. I mean, I think he kind of proved it in a way that the the, the substance of the place where you're at, um, the humidity, the wood, mm-hmm. the air outside, yeah. uh, everything is going to in some way contribute. You use this instrument because that instrument just simply will not perform in right. this environment. Mm-hmm. Don't even use it. Right. And then you put all those things together and you come up with a very distinctive sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, Petty... Would would probably be able could have been able to tell you why he ended up using the instruments that he did oh, yeah, musicians sure. the, and it it gave him his sound yeah and he, but when he went to L A and when he started recording there there was still it was still Tom Petty right. he never lost that right, right. he brought it and with him it, and it he he took that with him. But do you think the back, you think it changed? Did it turn into Tom Petty, L.A.? I think there was an awareness about being in L.A. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's unavoidable. I mean, into the I Great think, Wide I Open think, is like that. Well, yeah. That's the, God. It's also a dig on the replacements, by the way. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's such, like, 
the but that's the, that's what makes it a great dig is that it's like literally the story of like but, what LA can do. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it works on two levels then. Because like sonically, it's what LA does to that kind of like mm-hmm. underwhelming kind of like like underwhelming. We use that in quotes. The same thing as lazy, mm-hmm. like sort of thing. But like you like put that sheen over top of it, mm-hmm. and it like. It's like it's like like when you make like you know like it's like it's like the thing that makes bread rise mm-hmm. like you know it's that yeast that you put into it where it's like everything just kind of like mm-hmm. does that kind of deal to it and so it feels like lighter but it's still but like the drums are still the drums are still humid to use a word that you mm-hmm. were talking about mm-hmm. like the drums are still humid but you've put this thing over top of it where like that humidity is just gonna like rise and it's just mm-hmm. gonna become kind mm-hmm. of like. Mm-hmm. really really like mm-hmm. like significant but very airy and then you can throw a vocal in that doesn't even like because most vocals like and this is going to get to like the fact that I, I i used to manage a recording studio so a lot of times i talk about like the way that a track is constructed because i spent way too much time mm-hmm. learning about this and you put the vocal and the, the vocal norm, and vocals either like sit on top of a track mm-hmm. or and they're never mixed to the bottom mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. but like the great vocals with Petty's being included in this, and this is what makes this album great, is that this is the first time in a long time that Tom Petty's vocals ever sat on the top of a mix, yeah. and you just hear Tom Petty's vocal. Mm-hmm. But the thing that made the that that made the, the Heartbreakers great was that Tom Petty's voice would like and notice, especially on, and, and they try to do something similar with "You Know How It Feels," where they allow the the production to like emanate first, mm-hmm. and then vo- Petty's vocal like comes in. But like on these other songs of of great Tom Petty, your like the 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 vocal the, the the track is so big, it's enormously big, it's ridiculously big. It's like jamming me, like the, mm, specifically right. that, that guitar mm-hmm. yeah. is basically matching. I don't know which order it came in, like chicken or egg, but that is matching his voice. And he's like, yeah, right, right, yeah. and, and, and then, the guitar is doing the same thing. Right, and, and then you like, sl- and then vocal Tom Petty's vocal is so great because like it's a unique vocal in that like. Most vocals like come right in the middle, right? And you like set it like okay, we want the vo- the vocal to come in right here, like boom. But with Tom Petty, it's like his voice comes in and it just goes up, mm-hmm. and you're like, how does that even work? Because that's the thing that only he can do, yeah, mm-hmm. with no. his own voice. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, it, and he did that in Mary Jane. I mean, because yeah. Mary yeah. Jane has this bass going on. Yeah. That, I, I I don't know. You guys know Petty much better than I. I don't know another song. Where he is walking on a velvet draped platform right, right. of and, and, the, and the voice and this. his voice just goes. <laughs> it just does it. Yep. It just does it, and it worked so well. And, and I think to to your question about did L.A. like change that? So you have to remember, and uh, he they went to L.A. specifically to get a record deal yeah. because mm-hmm. back in the day you either had to go to New York. L.A. and they were like, "Fuck New York, it's too cold." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, going there. If you want to know more about that story, there's an excellent documentary called "Running Down a Dream," directed by Peter Bogdanovich. It is four so hours. So Muscle long. Shoals was no more. They, they, that was done. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like okay. they, they were they were doing stuff, but yeah. not not okay. the uh, what they were, had been doing before. So, um, so they go out to L.A. to get the money and to get all that. And I think what Petty did is he looked at the situation, and this was not just his great strength, but any great band, and he refused to let it change him. This mm-hmm. is the advice we give to young artists. Mm-hmm. Like, 
people are out there. We have friends who just put out an album mm -hmm. out there trying to play a game. It's not a game. You have one job. Write the best song you can. Yeah. The world's going to take care of the rest. And sure, you can buy press. Sure, you can do all this. You can get people in there to give you notes. But Petty never, he just never gave in. He yeah. said, we are this band. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like it, they turned in a record and he, they want it. He's like, fine. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll but take you, it back. But the thing is, right. is that you wake up with that voice and you play with these guys. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, you know what you have is gold. Mm -hmm. Like, it, there's no, like, it, that, that's got to be like the coolest feeling. Right. Like when you like record an album with those guys and you're just like, yeah. Yep. Well, did you listen to the Sirius channel? His Sirius channel on um he has his own Tom Petty had his channel on okay. Sirius. Right. Oh, it was just great. He he's so generous and so loving and so And he loved um, music. Oh that, yeah. And he, he yeah. I mean half of the stuff he played wasn't his own stuff. Yeah, sure. It was other people's. What what influenced him and what he liked mm -hmm. and um, but he was always the same guy. Yeah. He was mm -hmm. always the same guy. That's the joy of it. Like yeah. when yeah. you're when you're that good at what you do, and you know, like like you know, you're that good. It's like to me, the comparison is like George Harrison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. another artist who like because we were just talking about yeah. George. George is like the same way where it's like when he became a solo, it's like the first couple albums he made are just bananas. Yeah, and it's just like you you get done making a record and you just stop and you're like. And I can just imagine, like, Full Moon Fever or something. Mm -hmm. When you get done making it, you're like, there are five, like, industry-changing <laughs> hits on this record. Yeah. And you just know it. And you're like, yeah. And you turn it in. And the the, the A&R can, can listen to the record and say, half of this record is crap. And you're just like, okay. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Exactly. Like, you're, you're, you're full of it. Because mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. right. right. And that's got to be, like, the best feeling. And, like... He did that multiple times in mm -hmm. his career. And then yeah. by the time you get to sit down with Rick Rubin, and it's the point where Rick's like the kind of producer where everything he makes is gold and he knows it's gold. Mm -hmm. And then he's the kind of vocalist where everything he does, everything he sings on his nose, he knows is amazing. Then you're getting with this group of players that everything they play just on killer. is mm -hmm. just killer. And they don't have to like really think about it. It's just a matter of like sitting down and like, what's the goal? What is the goal that we want to mm -hmm. achieve with this song? And it's like, and you're thinking about stuff for the mix and the master or whatever as the song is being recorded. Because like half the thing now is like newer music in mm -hmm. this era is that by the time you sat down to record the song, you've thought about how you're going to do You've been overthinking it already. Everything mm -hmm, yeah. already. Mm -hmm. So there's no magic of like the magic of like five or six people just sitting down and just playing the song and singing it. Because it's like, oh yeah. Whatever happens, happens, because we know it's going to be great. Well, I'm just so glad you said what you did about George Harrison, because one of the things I've always appreciated about George and the Beatles' music is that when you listen, particularly in the early uh, the early recordings where the harmonies were like so, you could just you mm -hmm. could just yeah. see the layers. Mm -hmm. You know, you could tell right. exactly because yeah. they stacked them quite yeah. often. George's harmonies were dead every time on boom never i yeah. mean it was like it was like he must have had the the charts he read the music he was always on and, on the harmonies and, and i think mm -hmm. that sort of gets into uh uh what we're looking at is tom petty's legacy and other people's legacy in that you know i personally believe that there are objective truths in art mm -hmm. and i believe the successful artists like are the people who can find those and tap into it i don't believe that those truths are finite either it's not like we can have one Beatles. It's just those are the only four guys that can tap into it. Mm -hmm. Petty was the only guy that we know of right now that can truly tap into this. But part of it is because, like this quote, 
that's been going around. Uh, everybody passes around after he died. But he said his take on music, which was music is probably the only real magic I have encountered in my life. There's not some trick involved with it. It's pure and it's real. It moves, it heals, and it communicates and does all these incredible things. Mm-hmm. And that if if that is the way you view your job, never mind if it's music. Like if that, <laughs> right. if you view your life like that, that then everything is is basically right. gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that really connects to as you you said legacy, and we all know that that's something I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that that people reacted to Tom Petty passing away was kind of reflective of that exact perspective that he had. Right. That it is a beautiful, natural thing, yep. um, and that you know he didn't take it for granted, but he did. He had a deep, a deep appreciation for it, and he's one of those artists, um, very much like a George Harrison, who's just kind of, who was just kind of always around and always yep. present and always doing things and always being brilliant, and you know, then all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, yeah, I really I do dig his music, yep. like this is going to impact me. I haven't actively maybe thought about tom petty as an artist for a while yeah. for a while yeah. but that doesn't mean that like i don't have some tom petty jams you know and i don't whatever and it's like there are so many artists like that that are just so ingrained in our music and popular culture that we kind of take them for granted a little bit yeah i agree i agree you know oh. but it's i think it's again reflective of that exact approach where it comes naturally the guys they're not sitting around being like yo we gotta make a hit record man <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know they're not doing no. that right <laughs> right right it's i i was at a um band camp mixer last week and i was talking with a uh not, a, not an actual band camp let me no. just let no, me no, just no, band no. Camp, like clarify band that he's not going away to yeah, band camp cool. it's, no. a, it's a different it's a band different camp. Thing. Com. so i was at this band camp mixer and um <laughs> I was I I asked a, a vocalist, a young female vocalist. I said, "What's your gift?" Because she's like, "I I'm I've written five songs. She's working on an album." She goes, "I've written five songs." I'm like, "That's great, I wrote five songs." And I'm like, "She's like, I can't write two more songs." And I'm like, "Well, what's your gift?" And she's like, "What do you mean? What's my gift?" I'm like, "Well, what's your gift? Like, what's the thing that makes you want to be a vocalist as opposed to like a million other people that sing? Like, what's your gift?" And she's like. I never really thought about it like that. And it's funny when you think about like Tom Petty. Tom Petty was like gifted in the sense that he grew up with that voice living in Gainesville, Florida. And he always played, and this whole album works that way. He plays to the gift before anything else. And like there's like a legacy for him as an artist. It's like you just play to the gift. You always play to the gift. Like Kendrick Lamar, great example of a modern artist who like took Two album like took took like took like what three mixtapes and then two albums to figure out what the gift was. Like I'm an artist from Compton and I have the ability to conduct music. Right. Yep. And it's like and that's what it is. And it's like as long as you stay around the gift You honor what you're tapped into. Right. And and you're great. Like and Tom Petty, that's his legacy. Like mm-hmm. Tom Petty had a, the longest career by just always and like flipping it around and looking at it and maybe going to the left with it a little bit, maybe going to the right with it a little bit, maybe being sexual with it sometimes as yeah, we yeah. discussed. Like always but always staying right there. Like, okay, this is my gift, this is what I do best, like yeah. Let's run with it. He wanted, he wanted to be a storyteller and mm-hmm. he succeeded in being one of the greatest storytellers we right. know. And, if I mean do you guys see him? I, I heard a quote. Somebody said, you, you may be talking about some of these songs for like a century. Mm-hmm. 
which is wild to think about that. Not just a few years, not just decades, but like the next century, yeah. I mean, if we're still here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of, I mean, the Velvet Rope was just released 20 years ago yesterday. Yeah, Janet you Jackson. Know, and that's one of like Janet's records where you're like, oh, right. Same kind of thing. That is a dope record. Yeah. I've always liked that. I never I haven't thought true. about it in it, a long time. It's There's a truth to it. That's Right. Right. I mean, maybe maybe that's the equivalent to Wildflowers for Janet. Yeah, I don't it, know. It, body it, of work. Well, uh, yeah. um, but yeah. it's just that kind of idea that, that yeah, we, we're, we're revisiting these moments and these projects and, and looking at them now as like timeless. Yeah. And T- it, but it, it takes time to get there. Takes time to get and there. Some, for and, some artists, it takes more than others. And, and I don't think we'll recognize necessarily when the next artist does Wildflowers. At first, I don't think it'll be immediately apparent. I think it takes time to mm-hmm. to jump into it. And it's a. I mean, I could name like the Father John Misty album that from this year, Pure Comedy, is similar, yeah. if if not a hundred thousand percent more cynical. <laughs> so so uh, this is about Tom Petty too. Like, um. I did a classic album Sundays about um, Stevie Wonder a while back, and I got and I got to thinking about like great artists who have like multi, like a ridiculous number of great songs, mm-hmm. and 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 with Stevie, so much of it like you have to like I always like excuse the beginning of his career because the Motown system in the in the early in the the Motown system before nineteen seventy two ensured that everybody had ten great songs, mm-hmm. right? Because because it's like they made cars, so yeah. it's like yeah, like <laughs> yeah. okay, like of course Martha Reeves and the Vandellas have like five great songs, mm-hmm. and the Temptations have like ten great songs. Then it's like but then you get to like Stevie post seventy two, and you go. This man has like twenty five mm-hmm. of the most like <laughs> right. <laughs> right amazing songs yeah. in the history of yeah. music. No, and then that's the thing. It needs to go on forever. Yeah, you're yep. just like right. wow. Tom Petty is one of the greatest yeah, selling say, artists of all yeah. time. Yeah, Tom Petty has like twenty five of the greatest songs mm-hmm. in the history of like, music. Yeah, like legitimately at the top of the list yeah. yes. of greatest selling artists yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. And that's ever. not just from sticking around for so long. No, and right. it's like. And that's the thing. It's like, because I always, like, and I came into his greatest hits, like, really in college. And to me, it's like one of those albums that I stress everybody needs to get a copy of it, like, ASAP. Like, download it, do whatever greatest you need to do. Greatest hits or Wildflowers? No, Greatest Hits. Wildflowers, yes. Yeah. But for people who are not so aware of the, right. Tom, Be- of the Tom Petty legacy, right? go and get a copy of Greatest Hits. It, oh, it yeah. serves as it's That's the only record I actually had you have already streaming in my collection. Music, people, you can do this. <laughs> you can do this. You can do this like right now. Whatever you whatever now is when you come upon this podcast. It's the great thing about podcasts yeah. in the mm-hmm. modern era. You mm-hmm. can do this. Like just go get Tom Petty's greatest hits. Yep. It came out in nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. Before this album. Like it's the album that came out before this album. Acquaint yourself. Yeah, and, and, and then... everything on that album is astounding there's not a single dog nope. on that album right. nope. and then you listen to wildflowers after it and what's funny about it is like it's a completely different style of record as compared to greatest hits and it's similarly just as great and you're just like yeah how well his, that's his, the genius of his it. legacy for me and i want to i want to Start to wrap this up because uh, the Packers are playing, guys. So. Mm-hmm. I respect That's that. Right. Um, That's uh, right. But uh, you know, his legacy to me is is just uh, si- simply that he is and or was one of like the best. Like, like all all the best songs that you know, like probably came from him 
one way or another. And Every that, single, and that one. I used to concern myself with, like, when David Bowie died, that was, that was a bummer. When Prince died, that fucked me up. Mm-hmm. But what I found out a month after that is like, fuck, Prince's albums are still here. This all exists. And I can actually be like, okay, it's fun to look to see who's, who, who got hit by that wave when Prince died. And I was like, well, I guess I got to stand up. Mm-hmm. Ab's one of those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know, it. Absolutely. And so we're starting to see this. But I want to see who gets hit by the petty wave. Right. And it's like, Maybe they've been out there. Maybe they've been chugging along just good, fine. I'm gonna and say something. Like, you know what? We gotta wait. We I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something. Cra- I'm gonna yeah. say something crazy that's been dancing around in my head for like it's it's probably gonna turn into a larger piece at some point in the next couple of weeks here. But um, Dave Grohl mm-hmm. is is now the the dean of the the living musician, the, the living rock musician. He's the dean of rock and roll at the moment. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yes. And um, he's performing more shows and doing more like introspective work than anybody because he has to because he's the dean of yeah. living rock musicians he kind of has to make a record now like whether it's dave Grohl or whether it's Foo fighters or whatever well they've got concrete and gold yeah, yeah but i feel like he has to but i, I feel like he has to make a, he has to make a he has to make a record that like has actual, enough weight but like an oh. actual pop record right. that has to do the work and all of the pieces are here now now that we have like the legacy of Tom Petty in the room and how much that legacy weighs. And he's the only artist I feel like that can like pick up that legacy and put it on his back and go, okay, let's carry this and let's do yeah. some stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like of, of the rock genre. Like, I mean, this man's right. passing will affect every genre, but I feel mm-hmm. like of the rock genre. And I know it sounds so basic and so vanilla pumpkin spice <laughs> bacon latte but of Grohl, me but Grohl understands a lot no. of the same things that Petty did right and 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 in that tr- look I'm not a fan of like later day uh, Foo Fighters right but that doesn't I recognize it as like holy shit that is impeccably made what you they're guys, doing they're doing you guys know really how to well. write a song right. it doesn't resonate at all with me but you guys right. know how to do but, it but there's a there's a need if if we're gonna talk about and and i just wrote about it like literally an hour ago yeah. like where people are like rock is dead rock no longer exists rock is not relevant like if there was ever a time for somebody to just come out and just kick everybody in the teeth yeah. and just say yeah this is a rock record boom what are you gonna do well and don't uh queens of the stone age have something new out or come or something yeah, with but them i feel too. like josh is like not you know they're the same Kind no, of. they're not the same, but that might be. Right. That's good stuff. He might be the one. That, you know what I mean? I, and I, and I don't know stuff. if they're ever going to reunite them, Crooked Vultures, just speaking of that kind right. of collective yeah. of rock right. and roll right. energy, you know? Yeah. And and who knows what uh, the fool will do at Anthem opening next week. Maybe I, well, little, that's what I was going to say. A little it, petty tribute or something. They have to do something. Well, let me ask this. When Chris died from Soundgarden, there was no. I didn't hear the sadness. I was just. It was there. I was crushed. It was there. Yeah, I mean, Soundgarden was a, a little. Soundgarden had like two hits. Regard. I mean, look, Chris Cornell was an amazing mm-hmm. musician, but they really only had like two or three hits, and mm-hmm. those came really late in their career. Mm-hmm. If you go back and listen to like Louder Than Love and stuff, just sitting mm-hmm. in front of a casual mm-hmm. person, they're going to be like, what? "No." I mean, I remember yeah. first time I heard they had a song "Heretic" on the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. And yes. I, and yes. I, and I, yes. Yes. 
Oh and, my god! And, wow! And I heard Clutch. that, and I turned it off. I'm like, this scares the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, like five years later, I'm like, Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I think. Uh, Cornell was a, a great loss. Oh, and, oh and, huge loss. And, uh, huge loss. And, and, and it, it was one of those things that just should not have happened. It yeah. shouldn't have happened. Yeah, because yeah. you, need, you need his voice to like... Okay, so like there's there's certain people like I feel like... And this is like, again, tied to the legacy of Tom Petty. Or I feel like there's certain people that like translate mm-hmm. the history mm-hmm. and, and play with the echoes in the right way. Where like... I could put on a song and play like, cause again, I, I always tie this back to the kids I mentor who are all in their twenties and God bless them. They're all children that have to listen to me prattle on about stuff. But like there's certain people I could play when, when, when Chris Cornell passed, I played like a, I played uh Cochise in my apartment on my Sonos speakers. Not that I'm doing a big plug for Sonos, but it's chuckyglasses.com and I'm making a big plug for Sonos. Got, got room on the wall for <laughs> right. some speakers guys. So I, I played, Cochise on 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 my speaker in my apartment. And that man's voice hit these kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, Does he have other songs? Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like multiple bands of, of, yeah. Oh, yeah. of other songs. Like whole There's entire this super group. There's yeah. <laughs> legacy of great music that this man made. And they're like, does it all sound like this? And I go, yes, mm-hmm. it all does. And it's the same thing with Tom Petty, where mm-hmm. if I put on like, and I probably will in the next couple of weeks, like I'll put on like, um, I'll put on like, uh, let me think, um, God, I'll put on um, American Girl, which let's take a rest for American Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. American Girl, put it on. And I'm sure all the kids will just stop and go, yeah, that song is, is righteous. You get it. Right. <laughs> Right, right. When, mm-hmm. Bringing up Cornell, actually, that that uh, jogs something loose as far as you know the band that's gonna like hit, be hit most by this wave, and I think can do it, and they've arguably done it in the past. Pearl Jam. Really? I think they it, because if you are we gonna get it, Eddie out of like the uh, out of his head? Talk like, about Pearl Jam on on the podcast ever. Eddie needs to but, get out of his head. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. Is you look they every single album of theirs is solid. Yeah, there's yeah. a few great ones, but every much like the Tom, the Heartbreakers, yeah. every single album is solid. And then you have a hit. Nothing as big as Tom Petty. But no, you need. Uh, but that, but that they, man needs to get out of his head. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, and there there are ways that that you know people are remembering. You know when um, when uh, Prophets of Rage just played the 9:30 Club. Yeah. Part of their set is Tom comes out and has a moment for Morello. for Chris. Tom Morello, yeah, mm-hmm. comes out and has a moment for Chris, and then they do. Um, uh, they, he puts the microphone in the front of the stage with a spotlight on it, and they do uh, like a um, like a stone, like a stone. Yeah, and the <laughs> audience sings the entire. They do the entire song. Aww. Yeah, and Tom literally st- goes oh, exactly to where he would be yeah. playing guitar mm-hmm. on stage with Chris. Yep, and the audience sings along. Now, I I promise you that about a quarter of that audience. Didn't know the song when it started, but they damn where we're singing. We're singing along by the time, mm-hmm. right? Right. You know, and so there there are these moments that are that are that are happening that that maybe will start to kind of fuel that fire of creativity, where it's like, you know, we are experiencing these songs in a different way now. Yep. Well, let me say something to just kind of to go back to Tom Petty to to make a comparison. So you have Tom Petty, and he's filling your head with his voice. 
and you are left with a certain feeling, you know, and you feel you feel inspired and you feel uh, good, but you basically feel safe. You know, you mm-hmm. feel okay. Yeah. Now, what is the name of the guy, Queens of the Stone Age? Just Josh Holm. Yeah. Scares the crap out of right. me. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He hit vocally, the, the, vocally, yeah. vocally, his voice tells me, I want you to be afraid of me. Yeah. Am, am, am I wrong? No, Is you're, that not, what you're, it, not, you're not. It's an abrasive and, kind of feeling that suits the mood of the music that they're trying. Right. You know, the, the so, mood they're trying to accomplish. It, it, it's also a, a weird, like, desert misogyny built into that whole yes. scene. So, yeah. I mean, yes. so the the reason is because... He's a weird dude. Yeah, he's a yeah. weird dude. He's <laughs> a weird <laughs> dude. Like, like, I did I'm, look I'm him a, up. Like, and, dude, don't. Come on, man. I know. Right. I know. I, <laughs> I, I just remember when, but, like, yeah. There's a time. There's, like, a time and place for all music. Yes. Right. And and their their records have a time and a place. Sometimes right. in they're, their lives, they're damn good. Yeah. They're really they're well really done. Good. Absolutely, they're but it, really, yeah, it is a different, really a totally good. different. But the thing I wanted to say vibe. is, there's some sort of you, whether or not musicians know it, particularly singers, there is an intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an in Paul McCartney wants you to fall in love with him. Yep. Yes. There's an intent every day, every, every, day. every over time he says, "Love again. me, love me, love yeah. me." Um, and we do. And um, Tom Petty just wants you to hang out. Ha- just listen. Yeah, hang out. Just hang out. Hang out with him. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. And it, it's a very. Um, he, he's. He has. His music is wonderful and it's provocative, but his voice, his persona is very welcoming. And so you feel safe listening to it and then you can get, you know, you can get bonked on the side of the head with some sort of weird lyrics. But for the most part, for the most part, you, you, you feel good. I was going to say, it's, um, it's funny because like, again, because I've got, I've I've consumed way too much rock and roll in the last like month. Stop. Okay, there's not too much. No, no, it's just, just okay. Like, no, it's just weird. Not... <laughs> it's weird because I've done this like thing where I've like traced the history, a lineage, and like, God, it's like it's funny when you talk about like Josh Holm, Queens of the Stone Age, and I'm doing this thing where I'm listening to like a lot of like you know the garage era stuff, New York, Brooklyn, all that, and like maybe the big thing that's like the saddest takeaway from this whole thing is like. We we don't have a lot of wholesome rock dudes Honest guys. around, Honest like because yeah. like the Strokes were kind of creepy, kind of <laughs> <laughs> like in that like sort of like Brooklyn like yeah girl like there's like a hundred of hey, you girl you know, if Ryan Adams had made him do heroin it'd all be good right exactly <laughs> and then it's like and Ryan Adams in his own way is kind of like just like yeah kind of like creepy in his in a way. I prefer asshole. But. Right, but you know, and then like Josh Holmes, definitely like mm-hmm. burner, yep. like mm-hmm. stone, yeah. like like way past, like burnt, creepy dude. And then he like have his own like steroid line, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you get like you know like go you go back, and then there's like this thing where like Tom Petty's just like this, like yeah, he's he's a little he's a little off, but he's like. Honest about it. Oh, he's as like, sincere as they come. Unflinchingly, but, 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 and, and in a good way. And and, and, yeah. and really, we will wrap it up. Uh, but isn't isn't that what you want? Not just mm-hmm. in your musicians, but in people. Yeah, that's Absolutely. all you want. You like, want the authenticity. Yeah, you, you want, want yeah. You, yeah. you want the authenticity. Mm-hmm. You want pe- people can be weird, and it's up to mm-hmm. you whether or not you engage that weirdness mm-hmm. and stuff. But like, if they're being honest about being mm-hmm. weird, then it's it's a whole lot easier. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say this. This is, this is like to, to to tie in really nicely. Like mm-hmm. the the interjection point of Tom Petty 
into like culture for me. Okay, so like I I grew up with a lot of MTV. Like my mom like sat. I was like a latchkey kid. My mom I told I told yeah. the story before. I was a latchkey kid. My mom sat me in front of the TV <laughs> and just lived her life. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole idea. Was like Marcus, whatever's on MTV is gonna raise you. So like between the ages of like ten. It's so weird that you're now a music writer. It's so strange. Who knew, right? Right. God. Between the ages of like ten and sixteen, all I did. Like, long stretches of the day would watch MTV. So, like, hair metal happens. Mm. Then grunge happens. Mm. Then all of a sudden, this Tom Petty thing for a hot (laughs) second of, like, a year, like, shoots through. Pierces through. And and, and it's, like, a weird time. Like, rock is, like, just awkward because it's, like, okay, like, rock is made for, for, for for boys between the ages of 9 and 18. Then it's like rock is made for like boys on drugs between the ages of nine and eighteen. Then all of a sudden, this like 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 your dad shows up and is like, "I'm not gonna like hug you or anything. We're not gonna have like this touchy feely <laughs> moment, but like, just come hang out, man. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be cool. We're gonna be okay." And that was like the the thing that attracted Tom Petty to me the most. Probably was like joint. he was just like, "Hey, man." Those guys are weird, but like I'm cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the thing. It was like, and it's like that was the genius of it. It was like, oh, I didn't know who Tom Petty was, but I knew that Tom Petty was cool. It it, it was yeah. He was mm-hmm. he was funny. He was comfortable. He mm-hmm. was he was just great and was and cool. This final quote actually sums up everything. Uh, <laughs> which I, I'm glad I just found this, but uh, if you're not getting older, you're dead. <laughs> Which is, and, and I think that's a good place to end it because yeah. that, that is really one of the funniest yeah. lines ever. Uh, thank you, Janet, for being here. Come back hey. anytime. Well, thank you, thank Timothy. You. We're, you're gonna come back and we're gonna do some more stuff. We've got a long list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be good. Mr. Dowling, I'm sure I'll see you next week. Yeah, you might. Yeah, it's possible. All right, guys. Later. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. What lies ahead? I have no way. Under my feet, baby, grass is growing. It's time to move on. Time to get going. Broken skyline, moving to the airport. She's an honest defector, conscientious objector. Now her own protector. Yeah, broken skyline. Which way to love land? Which way to something better? Which way to forgiveness? Which way do I go? Tom Petty's Wildflowers will stand as a testament to what you can achieve, I think, uh, in storytelling, through music. Um, and if, if you haven't sort of digested it, if you haven't let it into your life yet, please go out and do that. It's up on... All the streaming services, you can buy a CD of it. You can, the vinyl costs 750 bucks, go figure. But, uh, but yeah, and, uh, it is a great, it's a, it's a, it's a great achievement. And it, it, uh, it's something that needs to be, uh, in your collection. It certainly has been in mine for a very, very long time. Rest in peace, Mr. Tom Petty. We will, um, we will miss you. But your music's out there, and, uh, we'll continue to celebrate it. You all continue to celebrate it. 
That's our podcast for this Monday. We thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. You can leave us a radio or a message there. Uh, I think it's, I believe it's called Apple Podcast at this point. Uh, you can also, uh, if you like listening to us in Stitcher, Mixcloud, uh, what's the other one? Google Play. Yeah, yeah. You can listen to us in Google Play if you're an Android person and using all the, the latest and greatest podcast apps um if you really like it and you feel like supporting us we are on patreon it's patreon slash chunky there you can like leave us five bucks ten bucks a dollar uh you can do it by episode by month and every little bit of that money goes to help support the volunteers that have made this show what it is over the past 300 and some odd episodes uh these guys like you know I, i'm gonna do this whatever but these guys work hard and uh, and uh, they deserve they deserve your support. That's all I'm saying. I believe in these people, and you should too. Um, we are out there on the internet at www.chunkyglasses.com. There you will find the live work of Mr. Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro. They're out at shows almost every night, uh, getting some of the best shots in the industry and uh, giving concert recaps for you to dig into. Not not to give you FOMO. But maybe, you know, you'll see something and how a show was. Maybe it's coming to your town. You'll be like, damn, I need to go see that show now. That's what we're trying to do. Trying to get you all talking and thinking about music so you interact with it more. Uh, we're also on Twitter at, at Chunky Glasses. Instagram at Chunky Glasses. Facebook, Chunky Glasses on Facebook. You know, <laughs> it's pretty simple, kids. Um, we're going to be back at the end of this week with a part two of our series. It's a panel on GoGo that our friend Mr. Dowling runs uh, in, in sort of concert with the city. This one, I think, was done at the uh, public library here, downtown. And, uh, and it's a great little conversation. Can't wait for you guys to hear that. Until then, uh, put in, put on some patty. Get out and see some live music and, uh, and really be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 Kenobi!